Hey dancers, it's Kirsten. Welcome back to the Confident Dancer YouTube channel. And now, if you didn't know, podcast. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube and you'd prefer to listen to this wonderful interview I have coming up for you in a podcast form, then you can just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and look up the Confident Dancer podcast. And I hope you enjoy listening to it there. I'm so excited that the podcast is now launched. I've been getting questions about that for a very long time. So it's finally here and you can look forward to seeing all of my future YouTube videos in podcast form every week. And as well, if you're curious, I think I'm going to also put on the podcast some um, previous YouTube videos because if you've looked at my channel, I have over 470 videos at this point. So I'm sure I'll put some of those up as well. But anyway, aside from that little announcement, I am excited to introduce you my new friend, Krista Christensen. She is amazing, great personality, super knowledgeable, and if you didn't know what she does professionally is she is a physical therapist for dancers specifically, and she's also an NCSA certified strength and conditioning specialist. So she really knows what's up in terms of helping dancers condition their bodies to prevent injury, come back from injuries stronger, and generally dance stronger and better. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. We talked about the root causes of most hip and ankle injuries. We talked about how to um, best warm up for class. We talked about um, unfair expectations most dancers have of their bodies, how to really improve your flexibility the science-backed way, and so much more. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. And if you do, definitely give this a thumbs up on YouTube or on podcasts, give us a review. So thanks for watching. Enjoy all that my friend Krista has to share and uh, give her a follow on Dance Evolution on Instagram. I'll have all of her info below. Um, but yes, thank you to Krista for being here and to all of you watching or listening, enjoy this episode. Krista, welcome to the YouTube channel slash podcast now. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, we had such a good time chatting on your podcast. I'm super thankful you reached out to have me on. And I just thought like, of course, duh, I need to have you on my YouTube channel. So here we are. This is so nice. I just really love your energy and your personality. Like you're, I can see why you do well on YouTube. You're just so oh, endearing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And knowledgeable. And so I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're sweet. Whenever I was auditioning as a professional well it was like pre-professional and then when I was re-auditioning as a professional I was always like dang I feel like I have a good personality and I wish personality counted for more <laughs> things and that you practice life for personality but alas it's maybe only five percent but you know whatever I'm here and it's fine <laughs> probably are really good on stage though right if you have a good I person I like to think so like, I mean, good be the judge of that, but I think so. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about you. I would love to hear, like, let's kind of start with what it is that you do now for dancers and then just kind of backtrack and tell me how you got there. Cool. Awesome. So I am a dance physical therapy clinic owner. So I treat local dancers um, as well as dancers in California, because that's where my license is from virtually. Um, but I wanted to be able to uh, make 
this information that I've learned over the years uh, available to more people. So I've launched an app and on the app, um, there's just resources for dancers and instructors of like scientifically based technique and exercises and things like that. And then I also, for those, for those people who want to work with me that uh, maybe aren't in California, I do coaching. So essentially we talk through what are the barriers to your success as a dancer? What are your goals? And then how can we get there? So that usually involves, um, I try to take a holistic approach to it, um, looking at your whole life and, and what's holding you back. But we really, obviously, based on my background, we focus in on like physical wellness and making sure you have a customized uh, conditioning program and mm, all the good things, good. injury prevention and um, customizing things for dancers. So yeah, I'm super happy to say that that's what I do because it's just, it's been a long process to get here. So, um, yeah, I've been dancing typical story since I was three and always really loved it was just like all in on ballet and, um, then started having injuries around the young age of 10. So I started Krista. Oh my God. Uh, and then from then on, I was just perpetually like the injured dancer. You know, I feel like there's probably one at every studio. It's like someone who's always I hurt. was that girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like at one point, and it's so demoralizing. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah, so I started having hip pain when I was 10, and I didn't really know like what was going on. I went to, I went to therapy. I, you know, saw some doctors and I didn't really get a specific, um, diagnosis for it. Eventually I just kind of learned to live with it and just, um, kind of push through it. And then I was that dancer that was like, I love dead point shoes. They're just easier to dance in. And I got a, um, <laughs> I, I fractured one of my, um, metatarsals in my feet, uh, and decided that I didn't want to give up my full scholarship summer intensive because of that. So I went anyways. And yeah, like just, <laughs> I get that. I really do from an emotional standpoint. And I bet from a physical standpoint now you're like, yeah, yeah. well, I found out the night before we got the MRI results oh. the night Oh, where um, the before the summer intensive and I was like 13 I'm like oh I want to go anyway so I did and big regrets like I didn't realize that you know continuing to dance on an injury just prolongs your recovery time I didn't really think that through so I was in a boot for a year I missed Nutcracker that year I was like so sad um it was a very hard time for me um but eventually like I I rehabbed from that and at that point I knew I wanted to be a professional dancer and I was concerned that that injury was going to put me back like really far because my calf was like this. I didn't move my ankle for a year, but, you know, I did a lot of rehab and got myself back and um, was dancing really, really well. And then I sustained a, a lower back injury. So I, um, I didn't find out till later, but I actually had fractured a vertebrae. So I'm telling you, like, this is, I'm like the girl and like along the way I had like every ankle pain you can think of knee pain neck pain like I just was kind of a mess yeah so um I 
I'm thankful for that now because I can really empathize with people when yeah. they have injuries. I'm like, oh, I had that. I had that. I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. Um, and and I was but obviously frustrated by that, you know. Um, so I, I took an interest in like understanding my own body and understanding just like human movement and human anatomy. So it's just really interesting to me to understand like how we move and why we move and why we get injured. And so that sort of like put me on the path toward being a PT. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus I knew I wanted to help people and I thought the healthcare career was like a good thing to go into. So yeah. there's that. Um, but another piece of the puzzle that I wasn't expecting, I, um, I kind of always felt like I couldn't perform as strong as I wanted to on stage. And we talked about this in our previous conversation on the podcast where it was like probably part panic before a show and part asthma and part like just didn't have the, I felt like I didn't have the stamina or the strength to really do super well on stage. And that was so frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was something I always struggled with. So fast forward to college, I wasn't taking as many classes as I used to. And I realized, you know, I need to stay in shape somehow. (laughs) So I signed up for a weightlifting class and um, took that a couple of days a week. And I cannot even describe to you what a game changer that was for me. I had never set foot in like a gym. I didn't know what any of the equipment was. Like I had only ever done like Pilates exercises or like crunches and like running up and down the stairs to try to work out. Um, so I took this weightlifting class and I tell you like all of a sudden I was doing so well in class. I'm not really a turner, but I went from doing like doubles to consistent triples, quadruple pirouettes, like Consistently. My double pays were higher. They didn't hurt anymore. Me with the hip pain, you know, um, like my ponches were 180. Like I just had so much more control, um, yeah. and performed so much better. And that was kind of like my aha moment. I think everyone who picks a career that they really love, that they're passionate about goes through like two phases, like the trauma phase and then yeah. the aha phase. <laughs> the best to success. I tell you, it's my favorite thing. I love that. Yeah. So, so the trauma phase, like me always injured, not feeling like I can perform perform strong enough. And then my aha moment was like, what the heck? All of a sudden I can perform how I want to, because I'm taking weightlifting twice a week. And that was that I was like, dancers need to know, (laughs) like the world needs to know (laughs) Um, because we don't do that that often, you know? So people are like, dancers are starting to, um, lift weights a little bit more, but like, it's still kind of a taboo thing and people don't really know where to start. So, um, that has become like an integral part of my passion of helping dancers. It's like empowering them physically through guiding them through conditioning Mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah. Um, so ideas professionally, um, in Idaho in a, in a contemporary company. And that was such a great experience for me as an artist, but um, I ended up just all of my injuries bubbled up at once. I had my hip pain, my back pain, my oh. knee pain. I was like, I, it just hurts to sit, you yeah. know? Um, my friends would call me be like, Hey, let's go out dancing. And I'd be like, I can't, my hip hurts. They're like, what are you 90? You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I decided to make, you know, make the hard decision to stop dancing professionally and had a kid and went to physical therapy school and, 
I worked at an outpatient um, sports clinic and I worked at a holistic wellness clinic and then decided to start my own thing for dancers. So it's a long road, um, but that's kind of like where I came from and why I do what I do now. So that is so great. And I think empathy is such a great starting point for being a great practitioner of whatever it is that you do, whether it's mindset coaching or physical therapy, strength and conditioning, um, truly anything or like career coaches for dancers or mentors, having that empathy of knowing what the struggle feels like. I, I think anytime I've worked with someone who I know has that empathy, it just feels like they create such a safe space where I feel like I can trust them more. And because I trust them more, I am more prone to doing what they say. And it just ends up being such a more um, effective and fulfilling experience as the client. So I love that you're able to offer not only your empathy, but also, of course, your skill and practical training for dancers, because especially with recovering from injuries, preventing injuries, even warming up or doing things to enhance your technique as a dancer, there's just so much misinformation that I'm sure you are a hundred more, hundred times more aware of than I am. And I'm aware, like, there's a lot of ineffective stuff being talked about and taught to dancers out there. So I'd love to start with asking you about warm-up routines. This is a point of personal curiosity for me because I see that every dancer has their own approach to warming up for class. And I kind of wonder what is, what are the general kind of boxes we need to check from a professional perspective in order to really be prepared for a class? Love these questions. So the, you know, everyone is different. And so that's okay that like everyone has a different routine. Um, but we like to try to stay current with the latest scientific evidence, right? So um, kind of the latest in the last about five years, uh, popular warm-up sort of regimen is called the RAMP method. Mm -hmm. And it's an acronym R-A-M-P. So you would walk through those four categories to warm yourself up properly so that your body is ready for whatever you throw at it and not surprised because when you're kind of surprised and then that's when you like sprain your ankle or you pull something, right? So the R stands for raise. And this is when you're raising your body temperature, your core temperature, as well as your muscular elasticity, turning on your nerves, getting everything kind of awake, right? Increasing blood flow. So that looks like maybe prancing around the room or doing a quick job, running backward, running forward, sideways shuffles, high knees, jumping jacks, whatever you want to do to just get your heart rate up, right? Mm -hmm. So I always start my classes off that way. And then the A is for activate. So you want to be activating the muscle groups that you're going to be using um, mm -hmm. in class. And for dancers, that's core, right? Yes. Your booty, your hip flexors, your side muscles of your hips, right? Your abductors, yes. your calves. So just any sort of movement that gets those awake. So I like to do kind of like down dog with the um, bicycling of the feet. 
I like to do high knees. I'll do like toe touches to try to get the backs of the legs going, um, lunges, side lunges, things like that. So it's really more active than um, sitting down and stretching, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good because, you know, I've kind of thought retroactively about my college experience. And when I was at the University of Utah, I went from getting injured all of the time my last year at Houston Ballet Academy to actually, I felt so fortunate that in my three years at the university, I did not get injured. At least there were minor things, but it was never to the point where I'd have to sit out for sustained periods of time. It never affected my ability to perform or um, I never had to miss out on opportunities. And that was such a life-changing thing for me. And I realized one big difference was that I would simply, because I was on campus, I was walking to and from my classes all day. I would get in about an hour of walking every day. And I noticed that every time I would go to my dance classes, I was almost always walking uphill. And so by the time I sat down and was ready to like maybe do a couple stretches to get ready for class, my heart rate was elevated. My muscles felt warm. I was more relaxed just because I had already activated those muscles, especially, you know, going uphill. I'm using my glutes, my hamstrings, my calves um, and quads too, and like pushing upstairs and stuff. And I think that actually made a huge difference because I was also cooling down walking back to my house or walking to my next classes before, you know, at the end of my day. And do you think that would have made a big difference for me in terms of like injury prevention? It could have. Absolutely. There's always, I always say like, it's usually the perfect storm that either creates a positive environment or a negative environment. So it's never just like one thing, but if you can try to like surround yourself with a lot of positive things and you get a good outcome. So yeah. So that's great. I've always um, just been curious about it. Yeah, like, what was different? It was that. It was that. I was like walking upstairs. Yeah, it really is important to like get everything warmed up. Yeah. And activated. And then the last part of it, you do want to mobilize because we yeah. do work through a lot of ranges of motion, right? And we want to make sure we can open that up. So that's when you're going to be like going through movement patterns that you would use, like getting your legs up or, you know, rolling through your spine or doing some rotations, mm-hmm. mobilizing your joints, um, usually more actively, right? And then the last one is potentiate, P for potentiate. So essentially, you're going to get yourself up to the level at which you're going to be dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so say your dancing is like going to be an 8 out of 10 intensity. You want to get your, your warm up up to an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. so that you're really there and ready to go. Now, for ballet class, we usually do the potentiate like through the bar right? So that's by the time we're in center, we're ready for that. If you were just doing like your own warm up before a show and you don't have a class or something like that, or or a competition, then you'd want to make sure you do the potentiate. So yeah, yeah, that's my answer for you. So good. I'm so glad I asked that question. Even selfishly, I'm totally going to use that. Yay. And I also know that you, oh, sorry, I totally cut you off. What was that? Oh, I said you should post videos of your and pictures of your warm up. I'll be very proud. <laughs> okay, accountability. We should add ramp A. <laughs> accountability for that last ramp up. <laughs> um, so I know you get a lot of questions about ankle 
and hip injuries and like how to prevent it, how to recover from it, deal with it, whatever. And so I'm curious about what are some root causes you often see of these ankle and hip injuries for dancers? Yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about these things. (laughs) I I think it's really three things. So the first is um, overuse. We use our ankles and our hips kind of a lot more than a normal human would, right? Um, So when you add up all that volume of dancing, then the body's kind of like, whoa, you know, this is a (laughs) lot. That's the biggest reason why I see injuries most of the time. Um, the second is uh, proper training. So you want to make sure that you're strong enough to be doing what you're asking your body to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a concept that I didn't really realize or understand until probably college. But just because you're dancing doesn't mean that you're strengthening, right? So you're thinking yes. like, well, I use my ankles all the time. So aren't they strong? Like, why are they getting injured? Right. Mm-hmm. So But dancing, like when you first start doing a certain activity or physical activity, you will get a little bit of strength because your neural connections are getting better and you're using your muscles, right? Then you plateau. So you actually have to be doing targeted strengthening in order to actually build up strength. So I like to use the analogy of like a paperclip. So let's say you have just kind of like a regular paperclip and you are the paperclip paperclip or your ankle is a paperclip. Okay. And you're dancing all the time. So you're constantly bending the paperclip, right? So Mm -hmm. eventually it's going to break, right? (laughs) Um, It's going to get, get injured. And so the dancing is like the bending of the paperclip, but the strengthening, when you do targeted strengthening, it's actually making that paperclip thicker. So now you have a stronger paperclip. And when you do the same amount of bending, it won't break. Right. So you have Yes, that's kind of like how I describe it. It's like dancing um, is more of like the movement and the strengthening is really going to fortify you for the movement. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure that you're not overusing, watching your volume, but also doing targeted strengthening. And then the last one that I get really nerdy about, the third thing, is that everyone has a different body, you know? we don't all have the same joint angles. Like some people's hip sockets face this way. Some Mm -hmm. people's hip sockets face this way. Like some people have scoliosis. Some, you know, so it's like some people have knees that turn a little bit more, right? And then we try to fit ourselves into this cookie cutter ballet class or like these cookie cutter movements. And that can really um, injure our joints when we're pushing past our available range of motion. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I like to do with dancers is do like a full body assessment of passively, what do your joints have? And then how can we work within your own personal range? Mm -hmm. Right. So depending on your personal hip socket, your passe is going to look different. Your devil pay is going to be in a different position in space. Um, the way that you perform the steps are all going to be unique to you. So working with someone that can help you find that will help reduce injury. So the next time your teacher is like, turn out your passe, you can be like, uh-huh, and just keep doing your thing because you know that your hip is not meant to go 180. Like you're here at 85. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, I think that's the third thing is knowing your own body and your unique anatomy. 
That is so good and so empowering too, because I feel like there are, it's such a common experience, especially for ballet dancers to look at other dancers' bodies and to think it looks so easy for them. It looks Mm -hmm. natural for them. Why is it so hard for me? And of course, we can't literally feel what that person is feeling. We don't know how easy or hard it feels to them. And also it's somewhat subjective, like what we call easy or hard, but I'm sure taking that targeted approach to look at your body and also look at it from this angle of like, it's not bad. Let's just work with it to maximize what you have instead of judging it. Because I feel like often, especially in the ballet world, I see dancers feeling a lot of judgment towards their bodies for not working the same way that they see this other dancer's body working. I used to be like so hung up on like in this stretch where you put your ankles in the <laughs> oh my gosh it was like this when I was 14 years old I I could barely even get into the stretch yeah. and so someone I mean if they were super old school could have looked at me and like completely written me off yeah. like you have no potential you have no business doing this you don't have rotation blah 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 and what is so great is over the years I had some teachers who encouraged me to force my turnout, force my flexibility, mm-hmm. or I felt like I just had to do that to keep up. And then I had some teachers who really looked out for me and said like, okay, this is humbling, but I see these muscles aren't activating and you need those muscles to activate in order to properly rotate. And so they helped me kind of remove some of the shame of like, okay, I don't, I maybe can't do the flashy stretches like other people, but functionally, they help me to kind of make it work to where I can do the movements in ballet and the positions that were ultimately required of me to be a professional dancer. So I love how you as a PT can take that personalized approach and also maybe emotionally be that source of encouragement and removing shame. Like, yeah. you know, we just need to work with you in a way that works for you. Totally. I love that. And the goal is not to be perfection in class, right? Mm -hmm. Your goal is to, to perform well and enjoy what you're doing. And you know what I mean? So it's like, you may not necessarily need that hip motion or that, you know, rotation. It's like, I love your story. Like, look at you now, you know, you made it. Look at me now. Wants to be like me. <laughs> You're not gonna stack your hips, yeah. So you know, it's funny. I I did get there. Like I can yeah. I can do that stretch, and I find it comfortable now. But man, if I would have given up on myself, um, or if I would have hinged all my success on like I can't do the middle splits, what's wrong with me? Instead of looking at okay, what can I do? How can I work with that? Um, mm-hmm what are the areas of potential that I have that I can really invest my energy into? That's what I'm always telling dancers. Like it's great and totally a part of the process to look at what's not working for you and try to make some movement in that area, make some improvement. It's great. But if we use all of our time and energy and like headspace to focus on what's wrong with me, why can't I do what she's doing over there this teacher doesn't like me. I can't get into that program. Instead of looking at, okay, what do you have that's really going for you? And yes. how you maximize that? And I always tell dancers, there are going to be teachers out there who are on your team. 
there are going to be companies out there who are looking for someone like you. And maybe it's not EBT, but that's okay. Maybe you wouldn't be happy at EBT, so it's okay. Anyway, I could just go off on that for anyone who's like really needing that encouragement of like everybody is different and you can work with it. That's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Totally. Yes. Let's also talk about flexibility. That's a big one. (laughs) So what are some, I guess, misconceptions that dancers often have about the process to gaining flexibility? And what approach would you suggest? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So there is this big misconception that stretching will lengthen your muscles. That's actually false. So the only thing that stretching does is gets it gets you to your personal maximum range of stretch in your muscle. Mm. Okay, so your muscles are made up these little fibers that crisscross. Essentially, what you're doing when you stretch is you're just uncrossing the fibers. Yeah. Okay. You're not actually making the muscle longer and the effects of stretching do not last. So if you're a dancer that's like beating yourself up because you're just stretching, stretching, stretching and nothing's happening, which I see a lot, um, it's because maybe you actually need to create more length in your muscle. So the way that you actually do that is through what's called eccentric exercises, right? Eccentric loading. So that is the slow controlled lengthening of the muscle. Um, and you want to load the muscle at end range. So you essentially go to the place where you feel like a deep, but comfortable stretch. And that's where you load the muscle. Mm -hmm. So you like control it into your end range with resistance. And it has to be enough resistance that it actually stimulates the muscle to start growing. So then what happens is when you exercise that way, you lay down more muscle fibers Mm -hmm. in series this way. So then you can actually, you just have more availability um, and you have more control over your movements. So have the most control over your movements in like a middle position, something like this, right? So you can have a longer muscle and then just whenever you're doing your dancing, you're just more naturally in that neutral position. You're going to have more control of your movements. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. I've heard different ways of describing that, but what I hear the most from uh, friends like you who are, actual like physical therapists and whatnot it's like it doesn't you don't just stretch out your muscle to be longer just by like sitting in your splits right um so I'm seeing now like exercises about like for example lunges instead Mm -hmm. of making it a passive stretch where you just sit in it as deep as possible I've seen exercises where you have like some level of activation. You're not completely sitting in your end range. You're kind of like having some movement or some engagement to those muscles. And it always feels so much better when I do that. I don't feel like I'm kind of like stressing out my tendons, you know? Yes, exactly. Because what happens when you do sit in your, your stretch and end range for a long time is you do stretch out your ligaments. So the movements that are keeping your joints together and keeping your bones in place, um, they do get stretched out and they don't really come back. They're not elastic. So 
that's when we start getting a lot more joint play. We get a lot more movement and then we start getting injuries. Um, so that's why you always hear like people exercise, people like me online being like, don't just hold a passive stretch. <laughs> I <Stop don't> it. <laughs> yeah, because this is bad for your joints. And um, yeah, it's better to just work through things with eccentric. Now, stretching in and of itself is not bad for you. It mm -hmm. is good to try to like loosen up the muscles. I recommend doing it at the end of class after you use your muscles and they're like this at the end of class, get them back to neutral, right? It just feels good. It's good for recovery. It's good for unwinding after yeah or anything but yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay little bonus question on that how important is it to do some sort of like stretching cool down after class or rehearsal it's so important yeah because like I said you when you're you know dancing for what hour and a half mm -hmm. plus um, your muscles do get tight and you can kind of get all out of whack. If you're doing like Ronde Rosé to the left 50 times in your <laughs> piece and then your left quadratus lumborum is like cramped up and you walk around like that for a couple of days, you know, it just kind of predisposes you to being out of balance. So when, what I work with on my patients is like finding symmetry and none of us are perfectly symmetrical, but people who are more symmetrical usually have less injury um, so like trying to just balance your body after you're done dancing, um, and yeah, just self-care, getting those metabolites out. So doing like some massage or like ice bath or all those kinds of things are really good for, um, getting all those, yeah, the, the waste from your muscles essentially out of your system so that you're less sore the next day. And I imagine hydration is a big part of that. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. All those metabolites go into your blood system to get filtered out and you want to have good hydration in your blood. So you can do that. Well, I'm going to get my big obnoxious cup right now. Oh. I'm like motivated. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> okay. Little side note that is not relevant to this episode, but we're including it anyway. I take this cardio dance class that is life. It is so fun. It is the oh. only way I will do cardio. Oh. Seriously, like we just danced to pop music and the teacher got me this for my heart. It is Aww. so cool too. It's like a massive, the size of my head. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if any dancer listening is like, I need to improve my cardio, my stamina, maybe like, I'm not the professional in this arena here, but take a little <laughs> cardio dance class. It's a great time. Thing, honestly, I'm like, been craving that <laughs> it's so good because the whole like running on the treadmill thing I'm like Ugh. it's just, yeah I don't want to do it I don't want to do it <laughs> it's not as fun definitely I know I'm a little ADD so I have to have like three different things going on at once so if I'm like can distract myself from my workouts much better <laughs> You know, I know, especially community accountability, I'm realizing is huge for yeah. me. If I go to a class and I bet this works really well for your patients too, like having the accountability of showing up and you know, they know you're going to be there and you're going to guide them through what to do. It just removes those layers of resistance that make us want to be like, oh, it's too hard or I don't really have to do that or I don't feel like it. So I imagine even like yeah I imagine that gets so many results for your patients just having that accountability to be consistent and do the things that you're sharing with them 
Yep. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to talk to you in two weeks. Like, <laughs> let's see how many single leg squats you can do. They're like, okay. <laughs> Most yeah. people are, are more motivated by having like a workout buddy or a community yeah. to work with. That's, this is kind of a human thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me. me. Um, <laughs> let's finish off on this one. What are some unrealistic expectations you think that dancers have of their bodies generally a lot <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> I think we expect ourselves to be able to just go 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 and do everything that we demand of ourselves and not realize that we aren't robots you know we even even our robots need like maintenance you know our cars need maintenance like they need oil changes Bro. like they and so we should even more so be treating ourselves well and making sure we're maintaining and we're resting um, one or two days off a week. And we're, you know, just, yeah, taking care of ourselves as humans because we're just like, I can dance seven days a week. No problem. I got this. I can do dance and cheer and school. And I just see dancers like, yeah, try to do way too much. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that as far as scheduling wise, um, the second thing would be, you know, just like we already talked about physical things. Like mm-hmm. I can get my leg here when your hips don't really do that, you know? So it's just like knowing yourself, um, being realistic with your own body and maximizing what you have. And then lastly, knowing that things take time, things mm-hmm. take time and it's better to have a clear plan of what, um, what your goal is and like how long that's supposed to take. And just being like, okay, um, I got injured and now I'm in recovery phase for six weeks. And like, I'm just going to give it the six weeks of like full commitment to recovery, you know, um, or strengthening. Right. So yeah, things just take time and it's better when you can just accept that and know your timeline and then just commit to it instead of being like, oh, I wish this would hurry up and heal. I wish that I could just be better in a week. Like why? Am I not better tomorrow? Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, most injuries that I see that come to the clinic, they take at least six to 12 weeks um, for like soft tissue injury. It totally depends on like the severity and what's going on and your health and your age and all that kind of stuff. But um, bones, if you're like young and healthy, take at least 10 weeks to heal. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you have like phases of, of healing for soft tissue. So once you get dancers will sometimes be like, all right, I'm out of the acute stabbing, terrible pain and inflammation. I'm good to go back to dance. <laughs> oh, that was me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, let, I just got a call. Okay. Uh, but so it, it's, there's phases, like I said. So after you get out of the inflammation phase, then you're in the proliferation phase where your body's healing and you may not have as much pain, but you still have to be aware that your soft tissue is still healing. So that takes anywhere from like 24 hours up to six months, depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. And then there's, then after that, this is really where people drop off of PT is the remodeling phase. Mm -hmm. So once your body heals, it has to get some input about how to heal and like which direction the fibers are going to align. 
Um, so like a tendon, the fibers should be going this direction, right? Like say you injured your Achilles tendon, it will kind of scar up and heal like this. Mm-hmm. And then you have to load it appropriately. You have to say, this is the direction I want this, the force to be. So that's where the PT comes in and we make you do like certain things that, that induce a force this way through your tendons so that they can remodel in the right way. Otherwise you end up with like crunchy, bunchy, like scar tissue, crack pop, right? If you don't go through all of those phases of like get out of inflammation, let it heal and then appropriately load it so that it can be remodeled correctly. So yeah, it takes time and it takes like expertise. So if you have questions about that. Yeah. If I knew this stuff earlier, I'm sure you get that a lot and you probably have said it yourself too. I just remember primarily talking, talking to, um, especially around my knee injury surgeons and they're obviously trained to get the surgery done. They're not physical therapists to help you in the recovery process. And also, I mean, this is a whole other thing. Healthcare is so expensive how many of their patients really are coming back to them consistently when they're supposed to, to like check in on things. Plus they're not really like the aftercare person necessarily from my understanding. So I would be asking the um, surgeon so many questions about like, okay, this is what's going on. How long will the recovery be and things like that. And he was telling me, you know, I heard from one person, Oh, it's just an arthroscopic surgery. Like, Yes. 12 days. Um, uh, no, sir. I can tell you that. No, sir. It, it took a lot longer than that. And then another guy was like, oh, three months. But there wasn't really any specific guidance on like developing my expectations in a realistic way and also saying, well, here's what you would have to do to get that best case scenario. Because I feel like I was like so many other dancers. Oh, well, I'm going to be the perfect patient and it's going to just heals like at the uh soonest possible time like oh you say eight to 12 weeks eight no screw that I'll make it seven yeah a plus patient you know but it's just not that way and I think that's where (laughs) having guidance that also guides our expectations like you do for your patients is so important because I I know for myself I wouldn't have felt so fearful and stressed, at least not to the same level. If I had known it's actually normal that I'm still feeling pain. It's normal that I'm having trouble getting strength again, because I was pushing myself way too soon, just because oh, the, the swelling went down from the surgery. Yeah. Like it's time to go. Really prolongs your ability. Like I, there's a lot of, there are some joints I tell my patients, like once you piss this off, it's very hard to unpiss it. <laughs> like once you get it mad postoperatively, it will stay mad for like three months. So don't piss it off. <laughs> like you have to just follow the rules. It's oh so fresh. Yes, my knee has not learned forgiveness. Um, still. <laughs> <laughs> still mad. <laughs> she's doing better, but she's still a little resentful sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love personify. I always personify people's joints and muscles, <laughs> which I don't know is like, I'm not sure if that's recommended, but I find it funny. And, and sometimes I'm like a medium for people's bodies. They'll be like, oh, your muscle. Oh, medium. 
like vocalize their joints. Your joint is saying like, oh, right now. <laughs> like touching the crystal ball and it's the knee. I'm feeling um, like you need to chill the heck out and actually rest. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. Wow. I bet. Oh, man. Krista, oh. I would love to know how dancers can work with you. Like, what kind of programs do you offer? I know you shared a bit about the app and your services, but yeah, where can dancers who are interested find you? Yeah. Um, well, if you're interested in physical therapy, I would go to my website, dancehealthpt, as in physicaltherapy.com. That's where the health side of it is. And then if you're interested in doing like one-on-one coaching, um, I would do the app and you can, you can sign up for the coaching on the dance evolution app. Um, and, uh, I also have a program for aspiring professional dancers. So just really helping, um, dancers get over whatever physical, um, and holistic boundaries they have to getting there. So that's epic going. And then I'm creating, um, I'm just like in the process of creating a lot of content for, um, teachers as well. I have like a pre-point, uh, assessment that I've created and like exercises and all that kind of stuff. And it's constantly growing. Um, I'm sort of at the phase where I'm like throwing noodles at the wall and just seeing what sticks. So whatever you guys are into, I'll just kind of continue like pouring um, energy into that. So yeah, I would say the app or um, you can find me on Instagram too. It's underscore dance underscore evolution. Underscore. Underscore. It's it's really aesthetically pleasing when I look at it. The underscore dance underscore evolution underscore. It looks good. It's just weird to say. (laughs) Yeah. Dance evolution, everybody. I'm sure you'll pop up. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Krista. You have been such a pleasure to talk to. And I am sure so many dancers are encouraged by your knowledge and your offerings as well. So I appreciate the opportunity and best of luck. I'm here for anybody who needs help. Thanks, Kirsten. Thank you. Bye, everyone.